latest entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm your Cypher Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on their account of tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the other sketchy podcast streaming websites. Uh, if you have a question or want to pitch something or whatever, you could fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And joining us this week, I'm putting up with a lot of coughing, is a uh, very excellent band Oryx from uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, joining us tonight from the band is Tommy and Abigail. Um, there's also Eric on bass, but as I said, he's not here with us tonight. But thank you for coming on the podcast. How's it going, man? It's going well. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bit better than before. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got all your coughs out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you don't know, uh, Oryx has a new album out this year. Uh came out on April 30th. It's called Lamenting a Dead World. It kicks a lot of ass. You should all go listen to it. You know, leading up to this album where you are now, and this this record is definitely indicative of the times, I would say, but uh, what were both of your earliest experiences with music? Did you have musical upbringings or was it something that you found on your own? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix. That was my, that was like my holy fucking shit moment. Uh, when I found Jimi Hendrix, I think I was 12 or 13 and I spent countless hours trying to mimic his guitar riffs and, and figure out what, what he was doing that was like that was the for me that was like the birth of the the interest of of the riff and the and everything he was doing was just so fucking phenomenal um that was that was my early like that was there were others early like Fleetwood Mac blues albums and things like that but yeah I mean Hendrix was pretty much what I grew up on yeah, I wish I could be as cool. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I didn't have a lot of musical influence, like for my parents, for my family at the time. So of course, like started out with like Spice Girls, you know, you nothing go. related to metal at all. Well, that was um, the biggest influence <laughs> on, on this album. Yes, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> You I know, just found um, my uh, I just found my VHS copy of Spice World. Oh shit! <laughs> when I was cleaning out my mom's That's basement, like a, a collector's edition by now. Hell right? yeah! Um, yeah, I'm actually mailing it to a friend as a gag. Oh no! It's okay. Dude, it's got to stay yeah. in New Jersey. So yeah, since, right. since I will not be staying in New Jersey, I'll at least know where it is. So if I ever need it, I'll just go get it. You gotta keep keep tabs on that. That's amazing. exactly. <laughs> Um, no, I like started with, you know, dorky stuff, but also my introduction was some Pink Floyd, a little bit of like Kill 'em All from Metallica. Mm. That was really like an album I listened to over and over and over again in high school um, because I just loved like that fast music and how it made me feel at the time. Then it kind of got darker and heavier as time went on. <laughs> as it usually does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh like after that was when you started like diving more into the broader the broader metal spectrum right that's when you get very like or right, i'm elitist with my metal and <laughs> mm -hmm. i needed to be a band that no one likes no i 
yeah, of course, Black Sabbath pops in. And then, you know, even as I was like kind of at the end of high school, like more electric wizard and bands like that. And I hate God were seeping in at the time, but um, it started with kind of more general music at the time that was easier to listen to and digest, but also felt heavy as hell at the time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, still heavy to this fucking day. Right. Right. <clears throat> Do both of you have like specific albums that you would credit for changing your direction? Go ahead. No, I, 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 th- I mean, you, you kind of nailed it on like kill them all. And, yeah. But like, I mean, volume four and obviously like early Sabbath was definitely like, it was very, like very influential. Um, I mean, yeah. Electric wizard. We're diving into all kinds of, all kinds of stuff pretty much like in, in high school and, I don't know specific albums, not so much. It's like whatever, whatever was pissed off and angry. I mean, I discovered corrupted early on, and that was like something I I felt like a huge attachment to at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever resembled all the fucking angst and and. <laughs> hate and uh, like uh, you know the turmoil of of growing up and being mm-hmm. a uh, fucking kid in the world you know we're we're uh just stuck to that shit you know <laughs> like it was right like, it's like a, it, be, it, well, it becomes like a soundtrack to your fucking life you're like uh delivery you know pizza drivers and it's like to give me the fast and angry shit and i'll, I'll like <laughs> i'll get that pizza there fucking fast you know like that is like that <laughs> You know, like just like early on, you know, you're like, man, I just, I just need something to keep the, keep the tempo up, you know. Yeah. Which is ironic, because because later we were like, let's let's <laughs> let's figure out how to keep the, the tempo down, you know. <laughs> like, there's there's like a there's a weird blend of that though, and that has like kind of eked through in our in our music today. That's like, it you know, you can't you can't leave behind uh slayer rain and blood and you know kill them all and some of these albums that were just you know old school like formative stuff that like um they kind of they're still in there they're still yeah. rattling around you know they when still you, hold when you up write, yeah yeah and you're right there's still that like that need to <clears throat> to go into that shit but definitely got into like um all kinds of like uh you know obituary and uh morbid angel and all kinds of other shit too and that i I guess I I apparently took less influence from because I wanted to really dig into the riff, you know, in a way that bands like Electric Wizard did, and I and that like that seemed to just kind of like hit home a little more than a lot of the other bands. Uh, and I guess like early at the gates, um, definitely like uh, Pig Destroyer, like everything I'm referencing to is like definitely like. <laughs> fast and pissed off you know but mm-hmm. uh but yeah like the early doom stuff i mean you know Came later on yeah i mean why well, honestly too like I, I always say that like i i took i really took a lot of influence from like earth you know and just wanting to like really really like like learn to sit with a riff which was so fucking hard like we're so like add I mean, like, we're still, like, so ADD as people, you know, like, <laughs> you eventually, like, learn how to, like, how to really, like, meditate on a riff, which is, like, a whole 
it is like a it's like a thing you know it's a process it's a practice yeah 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 <clears throat> that's what everybody says that yeah. it's not easy to play slow and uh but I, but i know also what you mean when you're talking about those old formative records because all metal it's like uh to some degree it's all fluid you know it's like mm -hmm. the, the like the riff uh is so malleable and you can stretch it out super far or you can like not and that's why i like to hear bands like oryx because you hear all that but then you get right back down to like you know your slow caveman plotting riffs but it's also the layering and like you're talking about earth and like earth is a band where it's like this shit is so fucking like layered or at least it sounds layered i mean i'm yeah. i'm pretty sure i saw dylan carlson play with just like a tiny fucking little amp on stage and i'm like how the hell is he getting all that goddamn sound out of it yeah oh it's mm -hmm. great yeah we got to see earth um i think the first the first and only time we've gotten to see them is at psycho california and I I was definitely loving that he was playing on like probably like the little fifty watt, you know, two twelve little like a mini stack, you know, and and the benefit of it is that you get all that feedback, you know, you can crank that fucking thing and get all that all that emotion, you know, you get all the the expression from from the amp. I'm always playing with two hundred three hundred watt amps, you know, and it's like I I actually do kind of I have to tip my hat at Dylan Carlson. Because uh, for that, where it's like, man, you know, I love my feedback too. <laughs> you know? it's like, yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a fucking pro move. I mean, he's, he's the guy to do it. You know, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. I was, right. I was lucky to, I saw him solo open for sleep. And then I saw him, you know, with earth um, and Helms Ali opened up and they kick ass too. Cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Badass female drummer. <laughs> Yeah, good people too. We're just nice yeah. people. Can you talk about how Orcs came together and what y'all were up to before that? Yeah, we uh, started practicing. Tommy and I had been dating for about like a year uh, before we started playing together. We started jamming. It, uh, we had a DIY practice spot and venue that was right down the street from us that we were able to go at any time of the day or night and jam. Um, I was just getting back into playing drums. I had played drums earlier in high school and was like, let's get back into it. And we did and um, didn't really have a whole lot of idea of what we wanted to do besides it being like maybe an earth worship style band. Um, but as we started playing together, it developed um, into something a little bit more than that. And yeah, we just were jamming and started playing shows at that time but before that i will say that tommy was playing in a really cool punk band at the time <laughs> <laughs> and uh we came from kind of different backgrounds but we'd see each other at shows even before we started dating there was an awesome diy scene in las cruces at the time this was about 10 years ago um and there was just a really awesome thing happening there bands from huge bands small bands everyone was coming through that area because it's kind of the only spot you can drive through between like texas and colorado um or even further so it it was bringing in that scene was bringing in a ton of energetic fun shows at the time and it was just lively and really exciting to be a part of and so i think everyone was was 
making a band at the time too. Well, we those uh, shows would also have mixed bills. So we had uh, From Ashes Rise and The Observers on the same bill as at a house show, which was like <clears throat> funny as hell because, I mean, From Ashes Rise kind of comes in with a lot of like, <laughs> I guess, pomp and circumstance sort of, you know. That, just I'm like, not familiar with them. Well, and it was like, they're not... Don't worry about it. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, don't worry about it. But it's it's sort of like, I I guess there's there's bands that come up that at the time have a lot of hype, and then there's sort of like there's this expectation that with the hype comes this like brevity, you know. And uh, the the fucking hilarious thing was that most most people at that house show were like losing their fucking minds over the observers, which were like. Uh, I believe they're from Portland and like punk band, totally different from, uh, from Ashes Rise and like could not be more detrimental to from Ashes Rise ego. You know, (laughs) to me, me, that was like one of the fucking funniest things ever because that that's Las Cruces, uh, you know, that's Las Cruces, New Mexico uh, DIY scene, you know, at, in that era, like in a nutshell, because it was like, you, you had exposure to all these great, uh, you know, all these great acts and stuff, yeah. but then, you know, there's, there's like a beauty in, um, in a band that, that needs the big stage and all the production. And then when you force them, you know, through whatever their touring manager having booked them there at some house show, then they are like subject to this, like less than yeah. standard, uh, even playing you know, field. and so, yeah, it does. It, it, yeah. even it's not even small venue. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's like it's house. like a house show. Yeah. So it's like it really it, it's one of those things that like it's uh it's a great way to like like kind of call call the herd a little bit because you're like, look, I mean, if you have the chops, if you're gonna if you're passionate about your music and you fucking set up your goddamn amps, you plug in your guitar and you represent, do your fucking thing, you should be able to do that anywhere. And right. there's sort of like there's it's so funny because like a lot of our old history, like really called uh called bullshit on a lot of these bands <laughs> i fucking love that like and th- this was the yeah. scene too that um i won't name names but bigger bands would come through and the tour manager would demand like we need oh, like five pizzas <laughs> and uh you know we need three cases of beer and like you know some people yeah. that book shows were maybe not shouldn't have booked shows and so then at the end of the night all of us that were like helping run the venue had to like pitch in to be able to cover the fees of these bands that did yeah. not even need that or deserve that at the time. But like, it was kind of just a community in that way that everyone kind of came together to keep shows going. Yeah. But it was funny to see it from that point of view where it's such a, it was a tiny scene that most bands just had to come through that city. And the result was a lot of funny stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is, this is Las Cruces. This Las yeah, Cruces, yeah. Yep, wow. Yep. Yeah, and this is, yeah, this this is, is a, like, yeah, I mean, a 30, tiny little border town. Yeah, 30 miles uh, northwest of uh, El Paso. Yeah. And just like, I mean. And you have to go through, I mean, Las Cruces, you yeah, have to go through that like, to get to Denver or like on, Phoenix. It's on I 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like one of the spots. It, it's a spot that you have to stop at. Or like people hope that yeah. they could stop at so that, you know, they could play in on that big drive back. So it was funny to see just like the bands that came through and it exposed us a lot too. like Oryx was playing 
really weird shows. Um, but then we'd play awesome shows. We'd play like Inner Arma and Mutilation yeah, Rights. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, maybe like <laughs> five people were there, but it was the coolest fucking thing in the world um, because both of those bands played like it was a full fucking stage. Yeah. Um, well, and you get you yeah. exactly because you see you see the bands that will play to five people and give their fucking all there's a huge dividing line between those people that will play they'll play a show for five people and really give a fuck and then other people that and again i won't name names uh, like abby said but it's like let's treat this as a fucking practice kind of thing you know and <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like an insult to everyone that is there where you're like well god sorry i'm not like it's kind of uh, like whatever. you know you were once here yeah, exactly. right. No, Everyone was. Lack, yeah. Lack of humility that. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, we, we were we were exposed to that like time and time again. And um, that was like a significant part of our, our musical upbringing in this DIY scene in Las Cruces that, yeah. that really like shaped like, you know, our viewpoint on honestly, fucking everything. Like, yeah, those we, were we those looked were across the board at the entire years. music industry as you know, as people from this, uh, from this spot through that filter, that's, that is like a hundred percent. It has like shaped our viewpoint. It's, it's highly significant. Yeah. Is that something? Yeah. Oh, no, go, go, ahead, ahead, go ahead. No, it just has everything to do with, with the way that we approach moving forward as a band and, and the, every decision we make uh, has like this sort of, we want to approach, like the the life of this band not through like a commercial lens or anything like that like there it has a lot to do with that so you know you're looking at it more like very pure artistry and those house shows where you know the the a fraction of the audience is um gonna be the other bands and it's almost it's like you're you're learning about your 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 brethren so to speak and kind of like is this something that would be worthwhile down the road, like, let's do another show together. Like, yeah. you know, it's just a way, I, I, I hate to use the term networking because it's so like right. modern and everything, but. Yeah. Well, and that that's exactly it is that there's so, there's such like an, like an algorithmic, you know, networking, marketing, uh, merchandising, I, like all these, all these uh, terms that I think are, they're actively used now in, in our, like, like in our lexicon world. Yeah. yeah but it's it's kind of something that like we for us that is like sunlight to a vampire we we're just like Ugh. there's this like ah stop Ugh. Ugh. like yeah. it just doesn't feel right it, there's like a the fact that you have to commercialize what you're doing or or whatever is there's an issue with that like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to us it doesn't buy with us and there's probably <laughs> like a lot more to that, but it's, but it definitely has um, its roots in that, in that, in that foundation. Is, is that something that you brought to the Denver scene that, you know, just like that ethic or, or cause it, it, it seems to me like, and I, I think I'm going to just going to uh, jump ahead um, to another yeah. part here is that like yeah. the, the Denver and I guess the Colorado metal scene overall, it's, it seems to be like, as you pointed out, like, you don't want to deal with that bullshit and you're not afraid to be with your own, so to speak. It's like, obviously 
you know, bands don't want to just be playing locally. They do eventually want to like hit the road, but you have a tight knit uh, scene where if somebody says, you know what, fuck it. We're just, we're doing this. They had a Friday night open and we decided to go do that. You know, then people are going to come together because it's something that they get excited about. Uh, you know, kind of a similar vibe here in New York, but just from what I can tell, like just there's so much of a, like a, thriving healthy scene in Colorado because you see so many different kinds of bands like working together but it's it's all different sounds it's not just oh. here's the Colorado new metal scene in 20 you know 18 and it all just sounds like the same fucking thing whatever i i don't know if that's a thing i was just making yeah, it up yeah, sure. um, yeah. like yeah, as a blanket yeah. term right <laughs> um and also i i mean i would add to that i think the scene was already acting that way when we joined it um, six years ago and it was in, very in Denver. in Denver. Yeah. yeah. Denver was very, I mean, that's what drew us here at that time too, is that we were just seeing that like bands like primitive man um, bands, you know, like a feather and bone and things were very like DIY centered anyways. Like they, some of those people are running venues at the time or some of those people had helped book shows. So like this scene really reflected and you know kind of what we had seen already in new mexico um and you're right yeah there i think there is a lot of different types of metal here and i i almost get annoyed too when people are like oh the doom colorado scene because it's so much more vast than that like there's it's not just doom death death metal (laughs) grind or black metal like you name it it, you name it it's here but and yeah. it's not just, oh, I wanted to just do a, a you know, a um, whatever, you know, I didn't, yeah. I'm going to do a sludge band, but it's like, but I don't want to just, I'm not just here to ape some I hate God riffs. You right. know? Right. I, I, yeah. I kind of like what, you know, like since we, you mentioned him, like, I kind of like what primitive man is doing, like with their things. Maybe I want to try some of that and, you know, maybe yeah. I'll throw in like a dash of like, some other stuff and there's some crusty shit or whatever, you know, yep. some, some DB whatnot, you know, yep. I'm fucking, like, I'll throw in a synthesizer if I want to, you know, it's right. kind of like yeah. there's yeah. those, those, those sort of restrictive um, barriers that seem to have existed during like the formative years of metal where it's like, you have your pockets and they all, everything. Right. I mean, not to say then that it sounded different, but once you have that established sound, you're going to have a lot of other just kind of like copycat bands. And like, yeah. obviously that still exists to this day, like in every yeah. genre of music, it's impossible to escape it. And plus with the advent, you know, with the advent of something like Bandcamp, like there's, yeah. you know, there's so many right. musicians out there. I don't feel like we're, you're running out of fresh ideas coming out of Colorado. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that too. There's, I mean, the diversity in every band. You're right. It's it's actually celebrated here. I think the weirder you are, the weirder you get, is better because mm-hmm. you know I don't think anyone wants to hear an Electric Wizard ripoff band <clears throat> at this point. I think or a Black Sabbath ripoff band. I mean, I don't. But I mean, of course that there's a place for that. But also, like, let's do something further. Let's take it further. Let's hear something different. Let's hear you know, just different vocals or like you said, a synth or let's add something. I mean, even, you know, bands like the death metal scene here too, like they're doing really experimental stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that that is awesome. I, I think the parallel too, I've seen some of that in Portland. Um, I've seen some of that in New York where just there's 
so many bands that I think bands do have to take on different personalities and not just be like caveman riff death metal bands, you know, like mm-hmm. let's go further. And so with doom, I think we're seeing that here too. Um, and at the very least, like with Oryx, we, our roots are based in New Mexico and a lot comes from that. And I think that either way, I think we could live wherever. I mean, Tommy and I are married, Eric, our bassist, um, he travels with us, you know, but wherever we're from, I think our roots or wherever we're living, our roots will mm-hmm. be back in from New Mexico um, because maybe Colorado isn't a permanent place for us. And maybe we go somewhere else. I think you'll hear Las Cruces and those, you know, ideas yeah. and morals like, kind of with us. Yeah. And that's, I totally agree. Um, I think that there's like, a, maybe there, I don't know. We, we are here for the time we're here and we, we put our spin on, on what exists in Denver, but then uh, wherever that leads, you know, it's sort of like a, like the roots do like maintain, they stay the same. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of where we've been, um, we've been very fortunate. I mean, I, I, like Abby was saying, we, we exist in a very eclectic scene. You know, we have bands like Dreadnought and, you know, I mean, uh, Feather Moan too, like they have, they have definitely traversed like different uh, genres and, and then, I mean, and that's one of the reasons, too, that we wanted to have, like, Ethan McCarthy from, you know, yes, he is an imperfect man, but we wanted to represent many blessings on uh, on this album as as a noise feature. That in and of itself, I, I think, in some ways, I mean, like, that uh, Lamenting a Dead World, the track, instrumental, I mean, in some ways, that's, that's kind of my favorite track to just zone out to because it's you know and and just collaborating with many blessings was like uh, a real uh, a real treat for us you know um and it and, was one uh, blessing yeah <laughs> it was a it was a, a massive blessing yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah he blessed us uh, we were blessed to your point too i mean paul uh paul riedel on uh on Sith, yeah. man like that's uh and that's cool. Yeah. He he's not dropping yeah. in to do riffs. He's dropping in no. to do synthesizers and cool, oh, weird yeah. yeah. bassy bullshit. It's, Which he's it's awesome at. Oh my it's, gosh. And, and um and he has um so right now he is working on a project called Hovercraft. But yeah, he's yeah, I mean, always working on his synths and he's, uh, making music. He's yeah, he's a, a synth master. Bringing him into the studio was was a lot of fun. And the studio that we were recording in had I mean, I got to record on on a massive Leslie, which was a, a ton of fun. Like all a lot of the clean parts in and like you mentioned, uh, the layering were done with uh, Leslie edition, which was just like to me is some is kind of been like a bucket list thing. I've really I've always wanted to have one, but um, getting to at least record on one was was amazing. Uh, we also got to record on, I believe it was like a twelve foot. Uh, reverb. plate reverb yeah. that was like like uh, you know I mean takes up an entire room yeah um, you know and that's uh, that alone was like a massive uh, you know uh, treat for us I mean like actually like the the songs uh, to start the album off on contempt where it's just that you know like those weird sounds are turning the wheel on the plate reverb so that it oh the, that's really cool plate is like bending so there's like stuff like that where we felt like let's just make some fucking weird 
noise let's just get into it let's let's yeah let's kick the fucking boots off and just go for it like who cares and i really i generally feel like that i feel like uh the people that we vibe with the 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 most here are are totally on that page where it's just like nobody's trying to fit into any kind of box here and i i will i will give if i give denver or colorado in general like mad props on anything it's that no matter what you can never really put a box around what colorado like i know like people go back to like the stoner doom and stuff like that but at the same time there's so much creative shit coming out of it denver specific i think you know i, I mean colorado springs is is like chocked full of insane bands that are totally underrated too uh calicuda awesome i mean awesome stuff clarion void i know way yeah i mean there are like there are incredible bands coming out of colorado springs too and we're we're like 100 percent we're homies with with a bunch of colorado springs folks and like they even we even had our 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 very first record release uh in 2014 was at, uh, in to, the springs to place in yeah. colorado springs rather than las cruces because the the scene at that time in las cruces was uh dwindling the move up to colorado was significant for us in a, in a massive way you know it's almost like it was like calling you in Mm-hmm. absolutely it was the right next step absolutely yeah. that's awesome yeah and I, I and the other thing too is that you see that like you said to the mixed bills and you have the support of 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 like um you know a venue or a festival that will put those kinds of mm-hmm. uh those kinds of shows together where yeah. you're gonna have like yeah you'll have like your backbone of bands that kind of hold up the genre right. and you know it's I guess we're lucky that most like stoner doom people seem to be pretty into like new shit and like experimental yeah. music. And uh, if there's also if there's one thing I've learned is from the scene too is that you know people in this scene are not uh, they're not looking at it as like yeah I grew up listening to like metal and I'm a big dumb metal has that <laughs> you know like I'm a big dumb goober you know like there's a lot of there's so many big dumb goobers but you but like this scene is populated with intelligent people who are like yeah i make yeah. aggressive like caustic yeah. music but yeah. it's yeah. not yeah. because i'm i don't understand this you know right I, there's 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 many similarities between somebody like ethan doing mess uh many blessings and you know yeah. mers bow or any of those right. um yep. musicians that do that kind of minimalist experimental shit it all kind yeah. of falls under there and it's just growing so yeah nobody should be gatekeeping <laughs> so I know, I, I, right? yeah. it is a anti-gatekeeping yeah. podcast yes yeah, <laughs> and like uh we couldn't we couldn't back that harder man yeah <clears throat> um yeah. I, I i hate that shit that you know this idea that we we created something cool and you shut the door behind you kind of thing it's like that's not that's not what the diy community ethic is at yeah. all and we we 100 want we want that like we want the scene to grow we want it to thrive like in general like that's i mean maybe it's hippy dippy or whatever the fuck but it's like <laughs> it, i mean it really is like i mean it really it really does come down to like <clears throat> like individual like contribution and acceptance of of everything else and like uh we are in like a societal platform right now that tells us to divide as hard as possible. And I really think that that's something that like um, is worth fighting against 
because like what we what we can and we have created in the past already has been really uh really monument you know monumentous <clears throat> and we like can continue to create like better and better shit we can really hone in on being like that like the fact that diy can be a consistency and not be so affected by every little like political whim and where like we're we can actually like weather more storms because if we do have a stronger community and we have people that are are really really vibing and really actually vouching for each other that's like it's a fucking huge deal and it actually will speak through multiple eras we'll be able to like to really you know we'll be able to to transcend a lot of like the stupid political bullshit a lot of this stuff like the the um like the ghost ship you know fires and, and there was like i mean we had a number of uh venues here uh the flux capacitor and rhinoceropolis both were shut down uh very quickly after the ghost ship uh fire and then you know you you feel like there's like a tax on like on your diy community you know and i think that as long as we keep that really strong then we can rebuild and we can we can like there's no um i guess like as long as we can keep like like inertia and, and just yeah. keep it keep it flowing yeah. you know like it's it's super super important um to make sure that people really understand that they are a part of a community and that that infighting or whatever or elitism or competitiveness all has to stop and kind of just be far. secondary and it's all just kind of petty bullshit in the end because you gotta you gotta really have that that higher mind about what you are actually a part of which is the larger scene and and it is global you know yeah. and and it is it's important to to really um it's something that we uh, we feel very strongly about you know we want to be a part of a system that actually works and that we we create you know yeah and to speak on that i mean it I remember the first shows I went to when I was younger, even like 13, 14 years old. Um, I couldn't tell you the band that was playing, but, or the bands that were playing, but those, those shows were just so fundamental to who I am today being welcomed into. I mean, that was like, those were like punk shows mixed with some metal shows, but just being welcomed in and also just being like, you know, pick, pick what kind of genre you're into, follow it. There isn't something that like, oh, if you don't like this band, you're not cool. It was just at the time, this was like 15 years ago. It was kind of like what you like is what you like and cool, but come out and support different genres, come out and just, just feel the community and be a part of something. And I think that was celebrated definitely when I was younger, or maybe I was just more in tune with it when I was younger. But, um, you know, when you get a little bit older and it's more about bars and clubs and things like that. And I think it, there does that kind of elitism kind of comes into play a little bit more and it's mm. like if you're if you're not at the cool show then maybe you're not a part of the cool club i mean some of that still happens in yeah. our 30s or you know older too but right. at, at the end of it i think i get what you know what tommy's saying too is we want to just make sure that everyone feels welcome too and like you know our metal that we play is so weird sometimes too that like i think a lot of different people from different backgrounds connect with it and I connect with metal too that is experimental at times, but I also like my repetitive doom riff bands <laughs> too. Right. I like both, you know, but I, I also think that like when you're younger, you're more open-minded to a lot of things. And 
you can be appreciative of people that are just having fun while they're playing. Of course. And I think it's very cool that, cause my mom grew up in the punk scene and, uh, hmm. you know, I, I certainly haven't done anything, you know, uh, close to what she did when she was, uh, involved in it. But it's, I think it's very cool that the DIY punk ethos have, and, and I guess hardcore to some degree, like have crept into metal when I feel like a lot of that has, uh, it, it kind of went away, you know, obviously yeah. there's your much smaller hardcore and punk bands right. out there, like not going to try to discredit anybody like of that nature, but you know, as with any other genre of music, like punk still kind of had to operate under some of the rules of capitalism. Yeah. So like you right. still had, you know, big major label punk bands and yeah. you know, punk go going commercial and then just right. getting more like broad. And, you know, that probably played into it kind of going away. And that's when you got like your more commercially friendly punk bands, you know, right. not that there's anything wrong with the offspring. Cause I fucking love America, America. <laughs> you know, like that, right. I love that record. And, um, but you know, I, I don't know when that change happened. Like, I don't know if it was when Kurt Cobain killed himself and that sort of like was the sort of like the, uh, the end of the DIY era and things really just like blasted off into commercialization in the 2000 or, you know, at that, that period of time. And now you've seen it kind of like, it's weirdly like regress, but advance Cause we're like with social media, as we talked about before. Right. So it's, it's just, it's provided for a very unique landscape. Let's put it that yeah. way. Right. I don't think yes. anybody expected metal to wind up being such an interesting history and evolution as a genre, you know, cause mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that look outwardly in and say, this is pretty fucking interesting at the end of the day. Yeah. It's pretty cool where right. this is at, you know, cause I think most people would just were like, Oh yeah, I used to listen to heavy metal back in the day, like Motley Crue and journey. And it's like, you're all well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have to explain yeah. something to you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. I, well, I, I, I do think that, like, to your point, there's like a different. Um... I realize that sounds a little gatekeeper, but. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, I'm yeah. like, no well, judgment, but yeah. 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 Well, there, there's a. Uh, uh, I do. I do think that there's a huge difference between, like, I guess maybe the old Hesher stereotype. And I mean, it, it's still something that's being worked out to this day because uh, there are a lot of people that feel like a sense of allegiance to that old Hesher, you know, I guess what I would call kind of a meathead, you know, style. Just metal means go and fuck shit up. And that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And it, it does it, in its own right. It's, it's okay. Like, but you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, speaking about the scene, as as an entity you know it it needs to not be um like asymmetrical you know it, it needs to it needs to include you know people from other walks and that's that's just um inherently i think that it's more true today than it used to be and i i hope that it keeps moving in that direction i agree i i very heartily agree well, right on <laughs> right on um, and before I forget, also um, uh, on lamenting a dead world is uh, Erica from uh, Chthonic Deity on Misery. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's a band that I have very recently really fallen in love with. That band oh, kicks yeah. so much ass. 
Absolutely. Anything yes. that's like parallel that runs parallel to like Paul Rydell stuff, I I've yeah. been checking out and generally really really enjoying. Uh, yeah. Erica is um, she is a mastermind to like uh, unto herself, uh, yeah. and she she actually did uh, write all the uh, like she's like accredited for the guitar riffs and everything for Katana Deity, and like, she's she's a absolutely like no disrespect to paul riedel at all but it's but erica is a force to be reckoned with i'll just put it that way they're she, they're badass awesome. in their own ways too. And they, like they're, they're 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 a couple of badasses together so <laughs> yeah it's like we're surrounded by some pretty uh some pretty excellent people here we we couldn't we couldn't resist ask asking both of them to be a part of this record and Erica's playing yeah. for Blackwater Holy Light now. I was just going to say yeah. that she's, gonna, she's doing I didn't the, know if that was announced or what. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's doing uh, touring guitar yeah. duties for them. Yeah. Like, very cool. That's so cool. She's a shredder. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. You brought on a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but – well, I, I mean, I know why, but I, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was about to say um, drop Vastum, but I'm like, no, they're from California, but they still kick ass. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the Bay Area. Erica's, Erica's yeah. played, uh, she's originally from the uh, Bay Area, and she's played in a bunch of like similar bands. Yeah, so, I mean, like uh, yeah, Ace Felix and uh, Lycus and a bunch of bands from Bay Area that are incredible. So yeah, her her resume speaks for itself. We were just like ecstatic that she was. Uh, she said yes to join us on vocals, and uh, and put put me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll oh, give you, I'll give you like, uh, I'll give you a few bars to really. <laughs> to make and you're like, oh, you know what? Here, you can just have the bars. Yeah, just, just go and have it. Yeah. Here yeah. are the bars. Yeah, the bars are yours. And you talked about it a little bit in the interview with Decibel, but and I had alluded to it before, but like it's pretty readily apparent. You touched on it yourself that the the album is reflective of what went down in 2020. And like I, I said that it has almost like a fuck off and die attitude, like, and not like a fuck off and die because I hate the world, like fuck off and die to a very specific group of people who <laughs> were very, very dumb and uh, let's just say dropped a lot of eggs last year. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to answer that question. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck I, off and die, like, well. On- it, <laughs> I um, uh, I kind of have to agree and disagree at the same time with that. I guess with the insinuation because it, it is uh, it is not about a specific group of people. Um, I definitely am not. I will never waste my time writing about a group of people that I don't like. If I really don't like uh, a group of people, I usually my route is to completely ignore them, and that's I've. I find that a lot more rewarding in my life to not uh, involve them in my day to day. But this was actually, this was kind of across the board. Unfortunately, this is about <laughs> us, us and everybody else. I mean, it was, yeah. it was about even my own, my own personal instincts to, you know, fucking bash my neighbor's head in and take what's his. I mean, there, there's a, there's a fucking human. Uh, there's a, there's a fucking uh, chimp prescience that, that seems to be uh, uh, very, uh, very active in the human race at this point. That it doesn't doesn't seem to be going anywhere. That 
on a, on a moment's notice, uh, in moments of panic, there's this fuck you. I'll take what's yours. And it just, as long as I get by that's, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally cool with that. Like no matter like that, like ethics, morals, all that shit is out the fucking window. It was also, uh, the, the album was self-reflective. Uh, I'll say that, uh, in a, in a lot of ways, it was not, a it was not pointed. And it, and it, in a way it was, uh, written with a lot of self-hate, uh, because I fucking hate, I hate that. I hate that. I feel that way. Yeah. I fa- like I hate that people in general, you can, you can see them actively dealing with those conflicting feelings and those primal emotions where they are totally ready to do whatever like heinous fucking bullshit just to make sure that they get the last bag of Doritos at target. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's like, yeah. there's like this. And that, that's what, that's one of those things where I'm like, you have reduced yourself to a fucking imbecile. Like you, it's just like, look at what you're doing. Like that's really that's. And, and for myself, I mean, I've, I feel that way as well. It's like, we're over here arguing about toilet paper and, and, and paper towels or whatever the fuck. And it's just so fucking petty. And, and, um, you know, and ultimately, I mean, you know, as people that, uh, you know, like, like we just mentioned, I mean, I feel like we came from, we came from a, you know, a DIY scene that I think was very, was very like nurturing and had like a sense of, a sense of like understanding on how to cultivate, uh, something greater than yourself and there is just not there's not even a fucking glimpse of that in this society that we live in at this point it's completely dependent um, on corporations and it's completely dependent on on money and um, yeah and I think it's it's fucking disgusting um, a lot of that was yeah. exposed I think this year yeah uh, or yeah. this past year mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, you know, speaking of what Tommy's saying, that independence, um, like, that's lacking in a lot of people, even today. But you also felt very dependent on the system, too, that is obviously failing and fucked up and is not serving any of us except the wealthy. But you also felt like, I have to rely on that, I have to go to Target and get those things, because I don't have a bunker buried in the, or, you know, I don't have it built in the forest, like, I don't have those resources I'm paying rent. <laughs> I don't own my yeah. house. You know, those kind Which of things. Like of you question those things. You're like, God right. damn, like I'm dependent as well as independent as I want to be. So I think <clears throat> like Tom is saying, like we dealt with a lot of that kind of just looking back on yourself, reflecting on yourself. And there is that pissed off. And I like how you said that fuck off and die, but it was also like towards kind of everything in general, yeah, not just yeah. like what Tommy's saying, not one, one specific group, but yeah, I'm glad you heard that too, because yeah. a lot of that was pissed off. That was, and that was like the, like the first track contempt is just like, like the first line is what have I become? And that's like, that's, that's literally the way that I, I felt like what the fuck is going on with even, even inside of my self. Like I'm this, I'm this fucking like, I'm this pitiful consumer that is willing to put a bullet in somebody else's head over a fucking bag of groceries. <laughs> like what the fuck? What, what, how did how we get the here? Fuck did I even yeah. get here? Yeah. Like, that is not, that is not in the fucking game plan for me. 
That's not what, and like, we're actually having conversation about, oh, shit goes down. Like, fuck that. Like, that's like, we're better than that. Like, we have, we have a higher intelligence than that. We can definitely rise above that. No, no problem. And the fact that like our, our society fucking dissolves, uh, you know, when a, when a bird hits the window, it's over fucking nothing. Like it's, so it's like so fucking fragile and we are fragile. Yeah. And it's, it, it like this last year, if it, re, it revealed anything, it was just, just the fragility of our whole society that it's like, man, look how fucking like, this is like glass waiting to shatter. And, yeah. and our, our whole, you know, all these fucking stupid bailouts and everything else is all just a bandaid on, mm. on really the fact that like, you know, there are deep cuts in our, in our, like the systemic structure that, that has been laid out for us. And we're, and, and like, I mean, in a, in a huge way, like to no fault of our own, like, I mean, I was born in 1987. I didn't invent the fucking system, you know, and, and I, I exist within it, but I do also think that like, you know, there is, there is like, we could be operating on a fucking way higher level uh, than we are. And I just think people are scared, you know, and, and ultimately like, I think people need to figure out how to not be scared of each other and, and fucking embrace, you know, you know, embrace some of this uh, crazy bullshit that no matter what is going to keep coming our way. Yeah. And like, not, I'm not saying like the, like, I'm not saying like a a global pandemic is crazy bullshit. You should embrace, but like, you know, stuff, but, but creatively and artistically uh, stuff off the beaten path. It's like, you should give it a chance. You don't have to like, you don't have to dismiss it. You don't have to say this is garbage, you know, fucking throw yourself off a cliff. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't go straight to like, uh, the moment that you find yourself uh, in crisis, you you basically need to uh, fucking rob your neighbor. I mean, that's there's just there's something very like fundamentally um, there's something very fundamentally like fundamentally fucked about our whole uh, system and our outlook on the people that we're around in our society. I mean, and it's you know it's not, it's not just New York. It's not just LA or, you know, whatever, where you could, you could point to larger metropolises. I mean that in Denver, I mean, there's the same fucking thing. I just find it very, um, in a way it's like, there's no reason to fight over these, these resources because collectively we could be changing the way that the resource allocation happens. And we could be fighting for like greater, um, change, to the way that those systems exist in the first place. And there's no thought fucking whatsoever at all about that. Like there's no, that, like not in the, in the public sphere, not in the public conversation. And that's something that like, I think would greatly benefit us. I agree. Oh, I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, right, on, right on. Sorry. Abby had to step away for a second. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Maybe in a, um, in a lighter note, What's one yeah, yeah. crazy Tory touring story you could drop on us? Maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we can get one from Abby when she comes back. Oh man, okay. Um, man, my the favorite that comes to mind, and he'll probably punch me uh, at some point for telling the story. But the last the tour that we did with uh, Electric Wizard 
one of our buddies, our road dogs with us was super into absinthe and, uh, he got this uh, great bottle of absinthe or whatever in a, a 12 pack of Topo Chico. And that was like the, <laughs> that was, the, that was what we were going to dive into that night. Right. And uh, uh, we were in Nashville on our last show with a, a, a electric wizard. And uh, I definitely uh, have to say that we gave Jess Osborne too much absinthe uh, <laughs> for, for his, probably, probably for his taste. <laughs> and, uh, it was it was uh it was a lot of fun um seeing him walk walk around drunk uh eating uh brisket was actually uh kind of a highlight because <laughs> like, you knew like, he was he was enjoying well maybe even not enjoying but he was consuming that brisket in a completely different was, state of being <laughs> it, it was like yeah. yeah it was definitely it was like a like a deep enjoyment of like yes <laughs> like brisket in nashville like fucking awesome you know and like fucked uh, up on absinthe yeah <laughs> fucked up on absinthe and um yeah i mean i really i kind of just look back on that finally because we we were we were all getting pretty fucking hammered <laughs> <laughs> so Good that times. was like yeah. yeah that was that was like that kind of sticks out as one of my uh he was asking about uh favorite uh tour memories yeah i i think what can top that i mean that was so fucking crazy for a band you know to get asked to play with electric wizard for multiple dates but and i mean we'll keep screaming from the rooftops about that i mean i don't care if people are annoyed about hearing that like it was the the dream come true like it just really it was and it, it still is i mean i don't there's there's not very many bands that can top that experience um we do have some cool shit in the works but you know it's like either way i think looking back on that it just taught me how to act and interact mm -hmm. on that level too um you're talking about favorite two stories like i i think just being thrown in to that first show at the fillmore um i've talked about this before but like just with that many people crammed in and that was the most people we'd ever played for in front of ever you know we played a set but i i literally the first minute out there i was like i'm gonna throw up like this is too much this is crazy um <laughs> i think i might have i don't even remember i think i like blacked out during that <laughs> part of the show but um you know you just kind of thrown into it and then you know we're getting off stage electric wizards about to go on and then we pass them in the hallway we meet them because they had just arrived quickly after that um their plane was delayed all of that they showed up they kicked ass and they had just gotten off the plane too so that was so cool to see but even interact with them afterwards and to just be like hey we made Oryx. it yeah like it were, you this know, wasn't nice gonna to be the you. oryx headlining show yeah right <laughs> oh, like oh, yeah. yeah please yeah, come thank, thank god yeah, yeah. It, you know they're just like awesome nice to meet you and right off the bat they you know extremely welcoming and, and accommodating and um I think that whole feeling, that first show, you get that done, you're like, all right, we got it, we accomplished that, and you can move on. And that first show, that first night, like, will be my favorite tour story because it's like you're playing in a huge venue for the first time ever. Not much feelings can top that. Now, I didn't realize that you two were, were married. <laughs> What's the dynamic like? 
and does Tommy secretly get gatekeepery about anything? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That is, yeah. This is Go this is it. the diary here. Um <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. You know, it we get asked that question a lot too, because I think <laughs> there aren't many married couples in, in music i think there i mean there are but i think that are able to operate for a long time and we've been going right. as a band for almost nine years yeah yeah so exactly. i i think we've been able to go the way that we've been going because we've learned how we work together um adding a third person for the past few years has been a huge help to that because i think we were you know, just getting stuck with working together. You're working as a couple, you're living together. It gets, it's a lot. It, it does sometimes feel overwhelming. Um, but adding a friend in as base, uh, Eric, who hates doing interviews. So <laughs> it'll <laughs> always just be that's us. literally like the only reason uh, he's not, yeah, he's not here. He, he's just like, that's he totally fair. Be. Yeah, he's, right. He's exactly. Yeah. But adding him into the mix was awesome because it was a third voice. It was like that, that deal breaker uh, or that mm -hmm. tiebreaker. Um, basically like he was really like, I, you know, I can help talk through things and we didn't realize how stuck Tommy and I had become in one direction. So having a third person in was so awesome just to, to hit the reset button. And yeah. um, I think you can hear that on the first album we wrote as a three piece. So we've, we've yeah. been able to manage together though, I think because Early on, a lot of the tours was you know we had a tour we toured for like three weeks straight. Uh, Tommy and I basically were living in a van at that point. I mean, it was kind of like you either figure it out if this is going to work or it's not going to work. And yeah. you know, a lot of that was like really early on, maybe seven years ago, and well before we got married. Yeah, before we got married too. So we made sure we knew <laughs> we liked living in a van together. Yeah. But um, oh, you know, you play those shows, those were early on shows. It was like two, three people that we were playing to. Sometimes like no one knew who the hell we were. Um, and you realize that you really you learn how to tour together, you learn how to work together, you learn how to write together. Um, you know, Tommy's been in other bands before Oryx and I didn't, I had one band before Oryx, so I didn't have a whole lot of experience in that. So it was a lot of learning from his experience touring um, in punk bands and things like that. So I think it, it worked because I was able to learn from someone who had been doing it for a while. Uh, but also we just kind of figured out each other's language too. I mean, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Abby, Abby has grown and in, to, the drummer that she wants to be. I mean, she's the, the whole thing has been, um, you know, I mean, back when we first started, it was like, you know, we lived like a, a block away from the train yard, our, our old DIY venue. And we would go, we would go down. Yeah. We'd li literally just walk down the road and, um, plug in and play starting at like midnight. And we'd play till like three in the morning at full volume, but is it was called the train yard. Cause it's on the train tracks. And it was like, volume was never an issue mm -hmm. and that was like that i mean that was uh that was great i mean that is like that's that's like how you get your you can like figure shit out and just dust off the cobwebs and kind of just go for it through through the whole progression of the band i mean abby picked up uh double bass just before this uh this last album and there's double bass all throughout the album and she just like 
it's just crazy you know it, it's great being you know being in a band with somebody that, that decides you know what all right i'm gonna start doing that and you're like okay like i'm doing double bass now like all right <laughs> you know like i'm glad i don't have to you know? yeah <laughs> like well you know and then and then she like i mean she did a uh you know just fantastic job on the on the recording and stuff but it's like for somebody that has been only drumming in in that specific style for that like six months prior and then she just she nails like a, a record like that i, I think that that's kind of that's the uh that's the wife i have so i mean everything's uh you know it's all good there i mean i'm like dang. <laughs> like i don't i don't know how to how to even compare that to my own my own style because i i i'm married to a very driven woman so that's uh, lucky me <laughs> Abby just gave Tommy the 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 love nudge (laughs) for those out there. (laughs) This turned into like love story podcast. (laughs) But it's 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 like this uh, bizarre ability to express um, like expressing a unified message um, is is really really fucking hard and and complicated, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't. it doesn't always make sense in the recording process and stuff like that. Like where you're like, well, this is what we intended it to be, but then it, you know, we kind of, Oh, you know, we adapted and yada, yada. Um, and with, uh, with the COVID, I mean, we were supposed to originally record in Oakland uh, in March uh, that they were going into quarantine. We eventually, basically we moved that to August and we spent that uh, those several months basically um, before recording in Denver editing and just, just honing exactly what we wanted to do with this album. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like that time was really well spent where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, let's, let's deliver our fucking complete message, um, and not, not feel rushed and not feel like, uh, you know, we're kind of cutting corners, but we got it done kind of thing. Like we right. wanted it to be, you know, we want it to be really, really thorough and accurate. And I feel like what we accomplished is that. So like, to me, like, I mean, and, and I say this to this day, like if it's the last record we ever do, which I don't think it will be, but, but I, I'm fucking happy. I like, I, I, I feel like, like we left, we left the message that we really ultimately want to send mm-hmm. is I guess in a nutshell is, is, don't fuck up and don't fuck over your neighbor. You know, <laughs> give a fuck about others at all. Yeah. Be, be a good person. And but, I, yeah, I mean, just some. to add to kind of what you're saying about being in a band together, I, I think when I look back on it too, like most bands that I've seen that have done the long game, like 10 plus years, you're kind of in a relationship with your bandmate yeah. because of the decisions you have to make. Um, so we yeah. kind of, you know, at times, we're putting our relationship at the side and we're making decisions as a group, Mm -hmm. as a band. Um, But I think the hardest part about it, and I haven't really said this in interviews is, you know, the financial part of it. I mean, we're the Tommy and I are, our bills are together, but also our band bills are together. And so balancing that, I mean, most bands have four or five members that are each contributing um, from their individual lives. And so that's kind of easier to manage. Um, and for a long time, it was the two of us doing that, you know, with our combined mm-hmm. income. So I, I think that definitely played a factor into how far and how many times we could tour 
you know, we have two dogs. How many times can we leave the you know home? And if mm-hmm. we had kids, it'd be even different than that too. So I think, God forbid. <laughs> um, so I think there's just, there are those complicating factors. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, other bands can leave and have their life still be intact at home and have mm-hmm. their partner manage things at home while they're gone on tour. When we leave, our life is going with us. And so that's hard. That's hard to navigate. And, you know, we're looking at, bigger tours next year we're looking you know doing like kind of longer term things and yeah you have to kind of plan for that like what what do you do when you both leave your house and your life for that long you know so it's it's interesting right. you've been like uh i really want this amp and you're like no 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 <laughs> no, no, no you've got 12 <laughs> Well, See, well, my, that's what's funny. My, my get around is that I've learned how to build them. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, no, 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 it's a project. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> what are all these parts? What is all this nonsense? That <laughs> yeah, you showed don't, up? No, 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 yeah, it's, it's nothing. Awesome. It's, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> right, it's all it's super cheap. It's all good. That's our life for sure. Uh, what, what else have you been listening to lately? Ooh, I love this. Um, I have been a big fan of the new Big Brave a- album. I think it's called Vital. I think I checked um, it out yet. Okay, that is awesome. I really like uh, Noel, some of the stuff they're putting out. I can't remember. I think they're from Tennessee. We have checked out a lot of the new stuff too. I mean, I, I couldn't even believe that it's already the middle of the year and how many albums have been released this year. And I'm like trying to even run through my brain right now of everything I've listened to. And I'm like overwhelmed even talking about it. Um, but like the Emma Ruth Rundle and Dow album was even this year. I can't even yeah. believe that. Um, listen to another, that. On like another TV. one. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, God. that was earlier this year. What right. the fuck? Um, yeah, that's what I was listening to. I think Spotify is like starting to glitch out on me because it's I have a very weird eclectic group of songs that I've liked that, that is probably intentionally in some way trying to throw Spotify algorithms out of whack and try and fuck mm-hmm. with them. But uh yeah, man, uh dude, I am dead set on uh church burn. They're like one of my fucking favorite bands right now. And I I just kind of can't get over <laughs> like they're awesome. I listen to a lot of hip hop actually. I especially listen to hip hop while we're writing because I don't want to listen to metal while we mm-hmm. write Makes metal sense. albums. And um I am a fucking diehard Freddie Gibbs fan. I love like Kendrick Lamar and Oz, like it, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that is just like, I I just have so much love for a lot of hip hop to be honest, mm-hmm. and and it's um, it kind of keeps me from uh from infringing on, on my my fellow man's uh, metal riff, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean we we love like I mean, True a lot Lido, of I mean a lot of uh, stuff Earth. that's sometimes like not considered necessarily like heavier metal but metal in its own way Mm, like big brave mm. is so just experimental in the way that they do less and it ends up being more in a riff than what most of us can create both tommy and i have been really drawn to some of that where you know even like emma ruth rendell or something like that or yahacha is that you say their name i 
I fucked up their name. But (laughs) stuff like that, where it's just really like off the cuff, like weird shit. Um, Mm. We've been inspired by that and drawn to it. Um, And I think there's still like six more months of the year. And I think there's a ton of shit coming out this year. Lingua Ignata and stuff like that, where you, you know, it's going to be a take on their form of heavy but impacted from this year of the pandemic and what does that translate into music? Um, I think there's going to be so much of that from the next year on of people's emotions translated into heavy music, but um, I've, I've how been, we all felt from this year. Uh, I've, I've really taken like a uh, huge affinity to uh, a lot of soundtrack type. Music yeah. Too. Like uh, the Joker it, soundtrack. Well, or, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, Johan Johansson and, like a Mandy soundtrack and um, mm-hmm. a lot of that, and uh, just the and and, and like both uh, Hilder and and Johan worked on the Sicario one and two uh, movies soundtracks, and like both of those are like I they are brutally heavy. Oh, heavy? Hey. oh, well, I mean, even just go on dude. Spotify and listen. <laughs> yeah, no, go go on Spotify and listen to the soundtrack. Those are really really dark. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they're they're like orchestral uh, configurations, but uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of it is is so it's so inspiring. Um, the idea of recording four cellos in a massive um, uh, cathedral is not uh, separate from metal at all. Like that yeah. is, you know what I mean? Like that's that's where my mind is with. Uh, listening to um, to any like uh, ambient soundtrack, what you know, classical, what have you, there are so many applications that really, really reach this like this cavernous, dark element that I think we really all strive to uh, to achieve in some way, and especially in, in heavier doom metal, that is what Sun. Uh, is all about i mean that that is that is the essence of that and and it's like something that that makes sense across the board in a lot of ways that i think uh, a lot of other genres just don't get the the credit and i'm fine with that but i but i but i find some of these uh composers and i'm just like i'm like devastated by how like devastated i guess in a good way but just like oh you guys have already like you've created this heavy thing that I wish I, cr- I was, able to <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like envious, you know, and, uh, and it makes me, um, it makes me like thirsty to like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to like really cultivate my music in the direction that you're, you're creating because like that has so much to it that, you know, that makes sense. And and is organic and analog and not not uh, digitized or compressed or whatever. Like I, we we are moving as far away from that usually as as possible. But mm-hmm. you know, and some of these composers are like the uh, God. They're they're awesome. <laughs> they're just they reach this darkness. It's it's incredible. It really is. It's kind of like I um, a friend of mine has like hit me onto like dub. 
And like, I never realized that I've actually enjoyed dub my entire life because I like love the very first Gorillaz album. And like, I went okay. back and listened oh, to it yeah. and I'm like, damn, I have always liked slow ass repetitive music. Like, and I just had to go through like, you know, a phase and you just come back and I'm like, oh my God, this is insane how it's all cyclical. It's all connected, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, like, I'm tr what I'm trying to think like what the other what else I've been listening to besides Oryx. Uh, uh Gary Clark Jr. He kicks ass, yeah, man. That dude yeah. knows how to fucking rip, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. He yeah, does a, and he has a sick cover of Third Stone from the from the Sun. And yeah. it's, oh, it's unreal. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that guy is he knows how to play for sure. <laughs> that's why I love everyone in the metal community just yeah. listens to such like yeah. random weird stuff. Like we all generally like the Emma Ruth Rundle side of things or the Chelsea mm -hmm. Wolf side of things. Like for most of us, too, I mean, I've seen the shows here packed for those artists, you know, like yeah. the same people that are wearing like permanent man shirts. I mean, those, those communities cross a lot. And I think we all respect an artist when we see someone command a stage like Chelsea Wolf or Emma Ruth Rundle. I mean, that's, I just have mad respect for people like that who can do heavy. Well, I got to say way. too, I mean, as far as I could see, the the one time we saw Chelsea Wolf play the Gothic here in Denver, I was blown away. She was looping guitar and vocals simultaneously on two separate pedal boards, and it was just about the most complex thing. Damn. I mean, like I nobody gives her credit for that, and like that shit is hard. That it like looping guitar alone live is nuts. It's so sensitive. It's it's a you can fuck it up, uh, like so easily. And she's she's there with two pedal boards, looping her vocals as well simultaneously. It was like oh, <laughs> like I quit. You know, <laughs> like one of those moments where I was like, damn, like that is like I can't I I can't top that. That's so good. Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> seen her actually. It's worth it. Any, we saw her. We've seen her acoustic, and we've seen her play with a full band, yeah. and it's just moving. It's incredible. Yeah. She's really. It's it's worth it's worth seeing the live show. Absolutely, it's on the bucket list for sure. Right on, right on. So yeah, hopefully <laughs> soon. Hopefully soon. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything you want to plug besides the new album, which is out and ready for purchase? <laughs> No, yeah, we just we have a show coming up later on in the year that we'll be able to announce um, soon. But we just hope that everyone's ready to come back to shows and be a part of that scene. I think we're seeing things kind of open up in general with music here, even in Colorado. So it's exciting to know that touring and all that is right around the corner. And we have plans too for 2022 for touring. So, you know, we're just hoping that people are psyched to see the album live. I, I want to express our our uh, gratitude to Translation Lost Records. They they're like our new family, so um, we feel very at home with them. Hell yeah! Um, and uh, definitely, like to be honest, I think there's probably like I would say a handful of records left at this point available on TranslationLost.com. So I mean, get them while you can. If you uh, want to be cool, you got to get yeah, one now. Yeah, if, if you if you if you want to be in, involved in this uh, gatekeeping, <laughs> <laughs> we just came full circle on that. Yeah. And last question: What are your dog's names? 
This is a pro dog podcast. Darla and Roscoe. Very cool. What kind okay. of dogs? Uh, mutts. Mutts, you don't even know. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get them like 23 and me or whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, we're like, they are. They're, they're uh, uh, one's a <laughs> terrier, like dachshund mix something he's something and then darla is a plot hound like german shepherd mix my mom has this like i don't know it just looks like a carpet like this this, it's it's like it's like it's a hound but it's got some rottweiler in it and all like some some other things i think even chihuahua somehow but it's just it's just this 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 muppet of a dog and mm-hmm. he is yeah, very family, very man. very very goofy awesome. that's awesome yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, they're family they are and you know what they say you can't pick your family so <laughs> snaggletooth and all <laughs> yes exactly thank you for coming yeah. on this is great thank you um, so much. go get the record go follow oryx on all their social media um you can see their Big happy smiling faces on there. They're a dude band that smiles. <laughs> <laughs> That's going on a shirt. Thank you for that. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, uh, so stay safe out there and, and all that good stuff. Thanks. And hopefully we get to see you down the road. Right on, man. We Thanks for taking it. the time today. We appreciate it. Thanks no so problem. Thank you. And that'll do it for this chapter of the diary.
I had to get my cool. weed. Oh, <laughs> can't start without that. V <laughs> important. There you go. Do you phone on silent? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. But yeah, did you have any questions before we started? Uh, no, I don't think I do. Not really. No. <clears throat> that was too big of a hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That's Just good, keep that good, on good the recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> <coughs> a huge baby. <coughs> <coughs> and it's so hot in here, too. Like, I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Since you're from Colorado, I figure you probably partake in it, too. Excuse me, but <coughs> this is really embarrassing. <laughs> This guy, he tried to interview us and he couldn't stop coughing. <laughs> Dude, we're, we're like the lamest Coloradoans because we don't smoke. So, <laughs> as you're like dying right now. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's like the best news you could possibly hear right now, right? <clears throat> right. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm one of those people, like, as soon as I start coughing, I'm like, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to be a part of the show. 